We're on week three of home life. Home life. The first two weeks of home life, uh, we did some real spiritual things. I, 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 first week, I had my mother up here just talking about uh, standing in the gap for your family. That whenever your family reaches uh, big situations, you need somebody. You need to know how to pray. You need to know how to win uh, battles, spiritual battles. You need to learn how to win spiritual battles. We put a lot of emphasis on natural battles, right? Winning financially or winning in athletics. You know, the Final Four just, just ended yesterday, got the big national championship. So, so we learn how to win in a lot, of, a lot of natural things, but there are spiritual battles. And you better know how to fight. Uh, and that's why you're here. Is this, is, this is training for you to help learn how to win. And then last week we talked about the atmosphere of your home. That what happens in the atmosphere determines what happens on the ground. If there's no clouds, if there's no rain, then the seeds never germinate. If there's no sun, that you know, the, 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 for seeds and for plants to grow, for things to grow, there needs to be air, there needs to be water, and there needs to be energy, or there needs to be the sun. And what happens in the atmosphere determines whether or not things grow in your life. It determines whether or not the sheep are fat and fluffy and the cows have something to eat and whether there's corn on the stalk. That, that the atmosphere of your home, an atmosphere of peace, hope, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that if you can make the atmosphere of your home like the atmosphere of his home, then you'd be surprised what could happen at your house. So those are real spiritual things. This week is a lot more practical. Going to be real practical. And this week, if you have your worship guide, uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, training people Making disciples and raising kids. You got your worship guide there. I gave you three first blanks. We're going to talk about uh, training people, making disciples, and raising kids. And all that means is that everybody in here should have somebody under them. Even if you don't have kids, you should be making disciples. Even if you have an emptiness, you should be uh, training people. And, and, and you should be coaching people. If you're married and you have a good marriage, you should be coaching other people on how to have a good marriage and how to stay together. If you've, uh, if you've got good kids, things are going well, you should be training people. You should be teaching people. You should be making disciples, the Bible says, of all men, of all nations. We should be making disciples. And you should be raising kids if you have kids. Now, uh, if you're married and you, you, you have children, then... then your responsibility is not just to make babies. I mean, I know what I'm saying. You, you, the, 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 the idea is not to just make babies. The idea is to make soldiers, right? The idea is to make champions, right? That's the idea. The idea is, the Bible says, the people that have kids, that they were lent to them by the Lord. In other words, God lends you your kids, right? You think they're your kids, but really they're not. They just, he just allowed you to give birth to his children. It's crazy. God allows you to give birth to his eternal beings, right? And you think that you and your wife are just getting together to make something cute and cuddly, right? And somebody to cut your grass, Right? I talked to somebody yesterday or the day before and that, and that they had 13 brothers and sisters. I was like, bro, <laughs> that's an army right there, man. You get some stuff done. You got to, man, if I had 14 kids at my house, golly, it'd be like a palace. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Fanning me with palm branches, feeding me grapes, saying. Come, child. I mean, just like, man, you got that many kids? That's pretty impressive. That's amazing. But, but you know, kids are, you're not just making babies. 
The Bible doesn't say that. The first verse I'm going to give you is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And I want you to notice the first word is train. Everybody say train. He said, train up a child. And if you study, if you look at that word, the word there literally means uh, it's the same word that would be used for a plant on a trellis. How many of y'all know what a trellis is? Or, or an arbor. Maybe some of you were, were married under one of these trellises, right? Or maybe some of you wish you were married under a trellis. It's like, well, the justice of a peace didn't offer a trellis. <laughs> they didn't have one down there. Listen, listen. maybe you eloped to wherever you, elo- wherever you went to. You've probably seen before. There are these plants that are planted beside a woodwork. Right, And the reason that that woodwork is there is because if it's not there, that plant is just going to grow everywhere. It's just going to go all over the place. I bought one of those plants two years ago, and I've been trying to train it, but it is a rebellious plant. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not joking. It's in my courtyard, and I keep, trying to, I keep taking its little limbs and I, and I keep draping them where I want them to go. And I come back the next day and they flopped off and they've like gone. They're like, we really don't want to go that way. But I will not quit. I will win. I will train up this plant in the way that I want it to go, right? I have a vision, a plan for this thing. And here this verse says, says you need to train up a child. Because if you just leave him to himself, he'll just go everywhere. Get stepped on. Get run over and get into things he has no business getting into and really won't ever bear fruit. He'll just run across the ground and never get any height to him. Never get closer to God and never become fruitful in his life. So our job is to train. Our job is to train. Our job is to train people or train leaders. Our job is to make disciples. Our job is to raise our kids. And all, all life on this earth, all, uh, all life starts the same way. It's the seed of a man. The womb of a woman. Right? We like that part. You know what I'm saying? We like that. We're like, yeah, that's, yeah, but it's not just making that. That's the beginning, right? That, that's the consummate. That's where, that's conception is, is where the seed is planted and then it begins to grow. But how many of y'all know there's a lot, there's a lot that comes after that. There's a whole lot that comes after that. The older I get, the more I'm learning. And we're just now about to hit teenage years. Man, I'm learning there's a lot after that. But that's a very natural life. But how many of y'all know in the spiritual life, the Bible says that the seed of the word of God gets planted in the soil of the human heart. And first the blade, then the stalk, then the ear. In other words, the same way naturally that we have babies is the same way that you got born again. You have a spiritual birthday. You have a natural birthday. There became a day that you passed from death to life. The seed of the word of God was planted in the soil of your human heart. You believed on it. You acted on it. And the Bible says that you were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear dear son. But how many of y'all know that's not the end of it? Many people treat that as the end, right? I got born again or I got saved. You just got started. 
right? Because if there's no training there, then you just run along low level and you never have any fruit. You never accomplish anything and you may not even make heaven. I think a lot of people have some misconceptions about, about eternal life that if they just repeat a rote prayer, but there's never any fruit or they never develop that, that they just assume that they're magically going to make it into heaven. And I can tell you that, uh, that the safest thing that you and I could do would be submit to the process of giving God all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all of our strength. Because the Bible says God's not mocked and he's not ignorant. He knows whenever you're just trying to be manipulative or whenever you're really trying to make him the Lord of your life. Because everybody wants a savior, but not everybody wants a Lord. And there is a, there's a difference between coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and just trying to skate in out of hell into heaven. No, whenever the seed gets planted in the human heart, you get born again. There's training there that's required. And whenever the man and the wife or the husband and the wife get together and there's the seed of the man and, and out comes a baby, there's training there. And, and we, have to, we have to train them up in the way that they should go. And, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. So all of us are required to do this. If you're here, you say, well, I don't have kids. Still, you should be making disciples. There should be somebody coming up, up under you that you're helping. And you don't have to know everything to do this. You could just bring them to church, right? You could hand them an Easter invite and at least get the ball rolling and say, hey, I need to be proactive and I need to be doing my part to bring people into the kingdom of God. So we're all supposed to be leading people and making disciples and training or raising kids. And I want to look at the, the story of the prodigal son because we all know this. We've all heard this message preached a thousand different ways. I think, you know, many of you have. And there's lots of ways that you could preach this message. And it's a story of redemption. But it's also the story of a home. There's a home there and there's a man and he's got a couple of kids. He's got a wife. He's got a job. He's got a bunch of servants. So he's obviously done pretty well for himself. There's not a lot that we know about the man because Jesus, he just starts it off. He says there was a certain man who had two sons. He doesn't tell us if he's rich or poor or white or black or lots of any. Doesn't, doesn't give us all of that because when Jesus is giving us this parable, I believe it's to translate through all times. Through all eternity, it's, it's, it's a man, it's a person that all of us could put ourselves in his shoes. He just says, he's a, there's a certain man. He's just a certain man. He's a guy just like you, just like me. He's got a family. He has a home. So I want to look at the prodigal through, uh, through, through just looking at the home side of it and not the redemption side of it. Redemption side of it is, you know, that, that all of us, we're in the Father's house. And then through some way or another, we're outside of the, of the Father's house. And then we go back to our Father God and He receives us. And it's a great story of redemption. But I want to look at it this morning, not just through the lens of redemption, I want to look at it as a home. And I believe we can learn some things uh, from this passage of Scripture about uh, uh, our home life. And I'm going to have to read it kind of fast and get through these because we've spent some other time. But how many of y'all with me? How many of y'all with me? How many of y'all think I can go over five minutes? You won't get mad. All right, we'll see. We'll see. They all say that and then they start looking at you. Cracker Barrel's 20 minutes away. You know that, right? They don't have one in Lake Charles. Got to go all the way to Sulphur for Cracker Barrel. Got to hurry. Well, they got waiter. You have it at your house by the time you get home. You just have your country fried steak and your cornbread right there waiting on you. Pull up in the driveway. Little 19-year-old with a waiter shirt on. Wanting a $5 tip. You could do that. 
I won't keep you long, but I want to get through this. Verse number 11, I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. This is Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. I'm going to read the whole thing. That way I can go through it. I could get through it quicker. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. He says, then Jesus said, everybody say Jesus. It's a parable. Jesus is teaching us here. It should be red letters in your Bible. It says, there was a certain man, he had two sons. And the younger of them inappropriately said, everybody say inappropriately Said something he shouldn't have said. How many of you ever had a, had a kid say something to you that they shouldn't have said? How many ever had one pop off at the mouth before? How many ever had one roll, your eye, roll their eyes at you before? How many ever wanted to unhinge their head from their shoulders? Right? Brought you into this world. Take you out and make another one just like you. Yes. Inappropriately, we had a young man here that popped off at the mouth at his daddy said, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live here anymore. I don't like it here anymore. You're not fair. You're not treating me right. You could put a thousand different scenarios into this one series that Jesus is teaching us here. Two boys. And he said to his father, he says, give me the share of the property that falls to me. Boy, it takes a lot of nerve, don't it? Whenever you die, daddy, you're going to leave me some stuff, but I'm going to pretend you're dead now. I don't want to wait till you're dead until I get my inheritance. Give me what's mine now. It takes a lot of nerve, right? How many of y'all had a daddy like I had? Yes. <laughs> that conversation would have ended right there. But here the conversation continues. But we have a young man here that uh, he, he's... He's wanting something now. If you remember in the, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Samson. How many of y'all remember Samson? Samson came to his mom and daddy. He says, there's a woman in Timnah, a, a daughter of the Philistines, and I want her. Go get her for me. That's what he told his daddy, his mama. And they said, Samson, I don't think that's, that's not the woman for you. That's not the girl for you. That's not a good choice for you. She's not a believer. She doesn't serve God. She, she doesn't worship the God that we serve. She worships false idols. This is not good for you. He says, I've seen her. I want her. Get her for me. A lot of nerve to come at your daddy like that. Come at your parents like that. I mean, I know there's a lot of people in the Bible that, that, that struggled as a parent. I mean, I know there's nothing wrong with you having some difficulty and struggling as a parent, trying to figure out what God would have you to do. And what God had this person to do, what Jesus, it tells us the next verses, it says, it says, so he divided the estate between them. So the dad, for whatever reason here, he says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and give you your inheritance. And we don't know a lot of the backstory. Again, you could read into it a lot of ways. You know, I kind of choose to believe that, 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 that maybe the daddy was like, you know what, you're old enough now. There comes a point where you can't just follow the God, you know, my God. You're going to have to find out for God that he's your God for yourself. You're 18 now. It's time for you. If you want, if you want your inheritance, you want to go, you want to grab the tiger by the tail, then get busy. If that, that's what you want to do. I really don't want you to marry that girl. I really don't want you to take off. I really don't want you to leave. But if this is really what you want to do, you want your inheritance, then fine. And here, the dad, he gives up. He's, he splits off the inheritance. And a few days later, I love that because I believe that, that whenever God tells us or God gives us choices, that there's some time there that we choose whether or not we're gonna, what we're going to do with it. 
I've found in my life many times the Lord will tell me to do something. And I'll take a couple days and figure out, am I going to do what God wants me to do or am I going to do what I want to do? That he brings us to a point of decision. And the guy gets his money, but he doesn't immediately leave. He takes a few days. And he decides he's going to go do what he wants to do. So it says a few days later, the young son gathered together everything that he had. And he traveled to a distant country. And there he, everybody say he. Do you see how many times it says he over these next few verses? It says he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. And now when he spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he began to do without and be in need. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of the country who sent him in the fields to feed pigs. And he would have gladly eaten the carob pods that the pigs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger, and no one was giving anything. To him. Now I'm going to pause. I'm going to break it up. I thought I was going to read the whole thing, but I'm not. Uh, the, the, you've got some notes there, some blanks there in your worship guides. And uh, the, the first thing that, that I want to deal with this morning is the, the first line that we have here. We have, we have a young man that clearly needs some training, or you could just write discipline. He needs some, he needs some discipline. He needs somebody to talk to him, to coach him, to train him, to teach him in the way that he should go. And I mean, I know that this needs to start early. If you have kids like I have kids, I, there was always two conversations. The first probably two things that happened with us raising kids was the first one was, uh, you know, there's two different scenarios. The first scenario is your kid comes home from the nursery and, and another baby bit a giant chunk out of that, that individual. How many ever had that happen before? The other scenario is when your child has bitten a giant chunk. And I had both, right? I had one kid that got bit right in the face, you know, like a big mouth, big mouth bite right on the face. And they bring your kid in and they're like, uh, yes, sir, Mr. Burns, your child was bit by another kid. He's got a big mouth bite. And you're like, God, what a savage. What a savage little one-year-old. Things got a demon for sure. What normal person would bite another person on the face? I mean, that's like drunk bar fight, like crazy fighting. I mean, that's like you learn that when you're 30, not when you're one. I mean, who bites another person? And just bites them on the face. But then the other time is whenever my child was the one doing the biting, right? At one year old, and I'm thinking, you savage. What have I created here? You're... You have a demon. What is going on? I mean, but how many y'all know that they come out like that? They come out like that. Nobody taught them. I never sat noble down. I was like, all right, brother, this is what you do. It's what you're going to do. It's what you're going to do. You want that toy? Go bite them in the face. I mean, <laughs> nobody teaches their kid that. They come out. The Bible says that we're born into sin. Nobody taught us how to sin. Everybody wants the first word of their kid to be mom. You know what it usually is? Mine. Mama. That's not what they say. They say mine, mine, mine. And then they claw you. And then they bite you, right? They're born that way. These attitudes, they develop. This is mine. I want it. Give it to me now. I want it. That's what I want. Give it to me now. 
So for us to train kids, how many of y'all know that, that early, you have to start manipulating, you have to train their attitude. My kids are not malicious and not mean, but the attitudes that I have to work with sometimes with my kids is, is whenever they fail a couple times, they say, I can't, and they want to quit, and they want to give up. Me and Noble were riding down the road the other day. I said, Noble, tell me three things that I'm doing good as a dad. Tell me one thing you want me to improve on. And then I told him, I said, no, I'm going to tell you three things I think you're doing right. I'm going to tell you one thing I think that you're doing wrong. You need to work on this. And the thing I told him is doing wrong, I said, you kind of quit too soon. If you miss a few shots, you want to give up. You can't live like that. You can't give up. You're going to have to keep going forward. So there's these attitudes, this discipline, this training that you have to, you have to, you have to work this in to your kids if you want them to go on and be successful. The second thing, the thing that I, then real, let me just say real practical under that, you can write under discipline, is just establish some routines. Just set up some spiritual routines. We pray at our meals. We read the Bible before we go to bed. We memorize scripture on the school drive. One of the things we do is on the way to school, we're driving in the morning, I go, scriptures! And I say it real weird. And they they start quoting their scriptures. They have about 20 scriptures that they quote before school. They say these scriptures. So we just, you just establish some type of routine with your kids, praying, stuff like that. And and that, that, that works discipline. You're training them in the way that you want them to go. The second thing, number two, I want you to write in there is attention. Because we have to wonder why the boy want to leave. What was he not getting at home? What was he not getting at home? Why would you want to leave your dad who's taking care of you and your family and stuff like that? Again, I think sometimes people just want to go. They want to be a man or whatever. But is it possible that, 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 that he wasn't getting uh, the attention at home? How many of y'all know that we live in a time that if you don't give uh, the attention to your kids, they'll find it somewhere else? Or worse, somebody else will find them. That's the worst. I mean, we're every, I heard this the other day, every six seconds, somebody gets trafficked in America. It's something crazy. I think it was six seconds. Maybe it was six minutes. How many of y'all know both of them are bad? I don't remember if it was seconds or minutes, but I'm not satisfied with six minutes. Ten an hour, people getting picked up, getting trafficked, getting lured into things. That, that, that people that are raised without their dad or young girls that, that don't have a father figure, they'll go find one. And it will not be well with them. So we have to give our kids, you have to get attention. Noble's into basketball right now, and, and this white dude cannot jump, right? I can't jump, I can't shoot, it's not my thing. I'm like, bro, I wish you'd get into something else right now. But that's his thing right now, right? So I, I coached. I was pathetic. I was a horrible, I was the saddest coach on the whole planet. I was embarrassed, really. There was a couple times I got laughed at, like I felt really Really horrible. I almost cried to my wife. <laughs> like, they asked me to run a play, and I didn't know how to run a play in basketball. I don't know what I was doing. But I was the coach, right? I did that for a month, and we'll never do it again. Uh, but for that month, I was the basketball coach, right? So whatever they're involved in, right? We take lots of trips, and we have family night every Friday night. I don't let things mess up family night. So, so whenever it comes to attention for practicals, you could write up under that is just establishing some traditions, some rituals, some, some things. This is something that we do as a family. This is things I, I, I'm involved with my kids. I'm on the PTA. I, I coach. Whatever it takes to give them attention. Now, in the story, we have, the, we have him go off, and he goes and does uh, all that he does. And, and it says a couple things I want you to notice. It says he wasted. He did it. He wasted his fortune. He was reckless. He was immoral. 
He spent everything. And then it went from bad to worse. It says a severe famine came in and desolated the nation. Things got really bad for this young man. It got so bad that uh, he didn't have any food. But it says he was glad whenever he had the opportunity uh, to not just feed the pigs. But the guy told him, he says, you can live with the pigs and you can eat what the pigs eat. That's, that's what you can do. Now, for a Jewish boy, he's not even supposed to be around pigs, much less live with pigs. Certainly not supposed to eat with the pigs. He's a Jew here. This is a young Jewish man. But he's at the end of his rope. What I want you to notice here is that there were some consequences to his actions. And what I want you to know is that the daddy didn't come get him. No, there's no time do we see the father come get him. Really interesting. It even says that society didn't help him. So the, the, the third blank is, is correction. I mean, I know kids have to learn correction. Sometimes they need to feel the weight of their consequences. I heard a guy teaching along these lines. Actually, the guy where my wife got saved, uh, he had five boys. Now, all five of them are in ministry, pastoring, writing music, all types of good stuff. But there was one of them that went to jail. And he always told his kids, if you go to jail, I'm not bailing you out. So his boy went to jail, and he left him there for three weeks till he had his court date. And uh, he was, I don't know what he was doing. wasn't that big of a deal. But he said, Dad, I need you to bail me out. He said, I'm sorry, son, I told you I'll never bail you out of jail. If you go to jail, you're going to jail. But he said, after three weeks... He was so happy to return to the father's house. <laughs> he felt the weight of those three weeks. He came home to the father's house. So my point is, and it's not that I, there was many times that my parents were very merciful for me. But there was times whenever my dad says, you're out drinking and driving. If you hit somebody and kill them, we'll lose our home. We'll lose everything that we have. If you out drinking and driving. If you go out drinking and driving, you get paralyzed. We'll lose everything with medical bills and stuff like that. I'm taking you off the insurance. I'm putting the car in your name. And you're moving out. And, and I did, right? I did that. I moved out. So there's times whenever, there's, whenever my, when my folks were merciful. But there were times in this story. I just want you to see that, 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 that the things that he did. And yet the daddy didn't go hunt him down. The daddy allowed him to be in famine. The daddy allowed him to bear the weight of what he did. So there was correction that came. Now let's finish the story and I'll close. It says, it says, but he, when he finally came to his senses. I told you how many times the word he is. He went through all this process of not living appropriately. But there came a point that he came to his senses. What the Lord said it to me was, is, is, is if the person doesn't come to their senses, you just wind up going down this road a whole bunch of times. They wind up going to rehab like nine times, right? You just keep making them, making them go. But there has to be a point to where he made the decision.
He has to come to his senses. So if you're always bailing them out, there's no incentive for them to come to the senses, right? If you're always sending them money, if you're always giving them a place to stay, come on, I know I'm preaching now, but somebody, this will help you. If not now, then maybe 10 years from now, it may help you. And whenever you're dealing with people, whenever you're making disciples or training leaders, you know, if you have people in your business and you're just trying to make them and make them and make them and make them and make them, you know, there has to be a point to where all of us that we make up our mind to change. I want to be a disciple. I want a Lord and not just a Savior. I want a marriage that's going to survive. I want to raise my kids the right way. There has to become something on the inside of you that says, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I will not be pushed off of the promises. I will possess the land and I will slay some giants and I will take some territory. You have to get to that place where it becomes about you and not about them. And your kids or the people that you're discipling have to get to a place to where it's not just about you always trying to bail them out, that they come to their senses. And he says, he finally, finally, how many of y'all know it takes a long time sometimes? How many of y'all know it took you a long time, right? That there's still things that the Lord's like, finally, <laughs> it's like, finally, Kevin, after 20 years, finally, it's about time, finally. He came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I am dying here of hunger? I will get up. I will get up. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, it says, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. Though I have fallen, I shall arise. I love that. Though I have fallen. I mean, I know we all fall. Kids fall. People fall. Disciples fall. Every Sunday, I see people that have fallen off the wagon, right? They come, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And they get saved, but then they fall off. I got to go hunt them down. Get your butt back in church. What are you doing? What are you doing? People fall. Rejoice not over me. Though I've fallen, I shall arise. He says, I will get up. I will go to my father and I will say to him, I will say to him, I love that. The dad didn't say this to him. He came to a place where he said, Dad, I did this. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up. He came to his father. But watch this. And while now that he made he initiated the move, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was moved with compassion. Next one's right, compassion. You have correction. But, but now there's compassion. The father had compassion for him. Ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, watch what the daddy said here. Through compassion, he extended forgiveness. Water under the bridge. How many of y'all know what that means? So there's water under the bridge. Now you're home. You came to your senses. You repented. You made it right. And now because of what you did, then the father, he extends. Watch what he does. He rolls out the red carpet, right? He says, the father said to his servants, he said, bring out the best robe for the guest of honor. Glory to God. Made him a guest of honor and put it on him. Give him a ring for his hand. Give him sandals for his feet. And all of these different parts mean something. I don't have time to get into it. But he says, and bring the fatted calf, fattened calf, and slaughter it. 
Let us invite everyone and feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was as good as dead. He is alive again. He was lost and he has been found. So they began to celebrate. So the last blank there, number four, is just compassion. Compassion just means affection. How many of y'all know love never fails? Compassion means forgiveness. You extend forgiveness to him. It just becomes, it, that, that, was, that was, the old man is dead, right? Understand, you went and wasted all that, you went and did all that, but now you return to the father's house, that you have to extend this stuff to them. But I, the last thing I want to tell you is you can't have one without the other. I mean, I know a lot of people, they want to bring correction to their kids, but they don't want to give them any attention. Right? They don't want to give them any attention, right? They want to bring correction, but they don't want to bring compassion, they, they, they wanted to be disciplined, but, but they, don't, they don't give them love. They don't give them time. So you really have to have all of them, right? If you're just bringing correction, but you don't ever give them attention, that's not going to work, right? They're going to resent that, right? That's going to be the kid that at the end of their life say, I could never please my dad. You know, I could never do this. My dad never had time for me. My mom never had time for me. My mom was always gone. And they're always talking about what was never there. But I believe if you give them all four, if you give them all of them, the Bible says that, that even if they go off, Come on, one of the morals of the story. Go back to the first verse I gave you, and I'm closing back with the first one. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't what? He won't depart from it. Really interesting. Because he says, he, it says, it's not that he won't go off. I mean, I know sometimes people go off. Sometimes, sometimes when you're trying to make a disciple, they go off. Sometimes whenever you're trying to raise a kid, they go off. It's not that they're never going to go off. But he does say, he says, if you'll train them right, and if you'll do your best, God will make up the rest. How many of y'all know that? If you'll do your best, God will make up the rest. Somehow, and even if, it's, even if it's at the end, let me say this, because sometimes they don't, they don't come home. Sometimes God may not make it to them until they literally step over into eternity. And you have to say, well, they stepped over, you know, that they made heaven. That's all that they made. But thank God that there is heaven. I mean, I'm glad that there is heaven. Thank God that at least if you train them, if you do your best, God will make up the rest. If you try, if you say, God, I'm, I'm dedicating these kids to you. I'm giving them to you. And I'm asking for your help so that I can train them. God, I'm asking for your help for, for, them to, for, for me to give them compassion and give them correction and give them discipline. God, I'm asking for your help. If you'll do your absolute best, God, he'll take care of the rest. And, and, and they won't depart from it in the end. <laughs>